McNulty stunning for Emilio to get up above Cargill and find Bennett. It's into the box. McNulty cut back for Roberts. It's Gary Roberts no, from Bosby. are leading in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Mark McNulty, but a good chance by Doyle for McNulty on the edge. Mark McNulty oh, short yes. for Bosby. Smashes it past McCormack. One by Doyle. Finished by the returning Mark McNulty. First left blood for Bosby. They're in dreamland early here at Bratton. There's a through ball to Jamal Lowe. Jamal Lowe's onside. The flag stayed down. Jamal Lowe. Nonchalant. Fantastic. Brilliant. Pompey will be promoted at this rate. That is it. Pompey are champions. They won League Two in the most dramatic of circumstances. The PO4 podcast with Hugh Bunce. Proud to be Pompey. Hi Pompey fans and welcome to the PO Forecast episode 93. Well Pompey will be top of League One for Christmas everybody and if that's not something to be happy for I don't know what is. Joining on the podcast today is Andy Mitchmore. How are you Andy? Living the dream mate. Tier 4 life. Can't see the family for Christmas. Life has officially never been better Hugh. What a life. What a time to be alive. Oh, that's a great start to our positive, <laughs> festive podcast, everybody. But someone who's going to bring a little bit of cheer with his reindeers and his sleigh is Freddie Webb. How are you, Freddie? I'm doing very well, Hugh. Yeah, Port's the top of the table at Christmas, and that's what we all want. I don't care about any of the other shit. I just want Pompey top of that table at Christmas. And Freddie, I've devolved you as the festive person, mainly because you have the most impressive beard. So that, that was my, my <laughs> I'll link. take that. I'll take that. That's a Mate, you just have to insult me at least once. <laughs> once each podcast, you've got to have a dig. I shaved mine off about what, two weeks ago? It's growing back. Andy, it's not going to be as long as Freddie's. Freddie's been cultivating his for about eight years. <laughs> <laughs> no, I shaved like a week and a half ago, actually. It used to be longer. But Andy, your beard looks great too. Right, just moving on. Thank what we're going to do is we are going to <laughs> review the win against Hull. After that, we've got David Norris uh, on the podcast, Pompey Legends, returning to the pod, friend of the podcast, we'll say, David Norris. And um, he talks about his Boxing Day football experiences, what he's doing too. We have a general chat, basically, a bit of a laugh. And um, yeah, so listen up for that. Let's get into it, boys. Hull, they looked rubbish without George Honeyman in the centre. He pulls all the strings. We spoke to Catherine about that in the podcast previewing it, and she told us that George Honeyman was the man in the middle to create things. How important do you think the loss of George Honeyman was um, to the fall of Hull? Uh, a big loss. <clears throat> they looked like they had no creativity whatsoever. The only chances they really got was on that right-hand side with with Emmanuel on the overlap, and then Malik, Malik Wilkes getting around Cameron Pring and Nicolaisen. But apart from that... Their midfield three, I can't even remember what the, who, what players they had in the midfield, really, as midfield three. It didn't work for me. Josh McGuinness was okay, but he didn't have any chances. There was just that chance where Emmanuel cut it back and, he, and McGuinness was on the only the penalty area and he put it wide. But apart from that, yeah, they didn't control the midfield like they should have done, especially with Ports of playing a high line with the front four, pressing both, both wing-backs and the three centre-halves. Yeah, massively. And, and Andy, let's get on to the, onto the first goal because, you know, we'll call it the first goal, the first own goal out of the two of them. But I'm going to question this one, Andy, and I want to know your view on whether this is an own goal or not, because I'm not a very good neutral in this situation. You know, I put £2 on Sean Raggett to score. Unfortunately, the bookies didn't pay out on that. Andy, our Sky bet, incorrect, Andy. And should I have had my £44? Should it be in Sean Raggett goal? 
I mean, you're such you're last of the big spenders, Hugh, with your betting. So I'm I'm reluctant to try and disagree with you there. Um, I thought it actually came off ragged. I mean, I thought potentially the defender got the last touch, yeah, but I think it came off racket first and was goal like, on target. And as far as I know, that's still the rule for classifying whether it was known goal or not. If it was on target before it hit the player, then I think it counts as the, the attacking player's goal. Correct me if I'm wrong. Freddie knows everything. He's not correcting me, so I'm hoping I'm right. To me, it looked like Raggett got a first touch. Whether or not it was, you know, a foul is a whole other question. I don't think it was personally, but, but yeah, Raggett, I think, got the first touch and to, to hit it towards the target, I think it should have gone down as a Raggett goal. I'm not saying this at all just because it cost you 40-something quid. Uh, and I'm pounds. slightly 44 pounds, and I'm slightly intimidated by you. Not in the slightest. Um, should have been Raggett's goal. Outrageous, stolen. Um, and I saw something about Jake Smith tweet, uh, said before the ball came in that he thought Raggett was going to score from it. And I think that would have been a second tattoo. Uh, so I'm disappointed on a, on a number of levels that it was given as an own goal. He's going to have no skin left with the amount of times he thinks Raggett will score. <laughs> Yeah, and shout out to the guy on Instagram who apparently lost £220 as well because that was the last part of his Aki that came in was ragged to uh, to score. So unfortunate, mate. But Sorry, I can't remember your name, so shout out to you, mate, um, on Insta. All right, lads. Um, okay, moving on then. We've got the first own goal. Let's be honest, though. Pompey started quite brightly. I thought the press looked good. Um, we spoke about this on the preview show, Catherine, before. It was Pompey need to make sure they press hole high. And I thought the, fo- the, the front fork, they did that well. They got in holes faces and they moved forward and... and Built some really good possession. Freddie, were you improved with the way the press started against Hull? I really liked it. <clears throat> it was I've never seen a front four play as well as they did without actually creating many clear-cut chances, you would argue. They just nullified most of what Hull were doing. Hull basically had to go on the wings every time because usually whenever it went to one of their three centre-halves, there was always a man on and then a man behind. Uh, Marquis and Williams the front two pressing further forward with the wingers slightly behind. If one went forward, the fullback would go forward and the midfielder would tuck in so there were no gaps in space at all. I thought how Ports had played in that first half and really until the 65th minute was quite exemplary. It was, it, some people would look at the lack of chances they made and I thought and might argue with me, but if the final ball went right, Ports could have, could have had better chances than that. I, again, the front four... All of them had excellent performances, but also the midfield two behind. Cannon and Naylor, that is the midfield two now. I don't think any of them are getting replaced anytime soon. No, exactly, Freddie. And you transitioned straight onto my question for Andy, and it's all about the mid two of Tom Naylor and Andy Cannon. They look pretty dynamic generally going forwards and backwards as well at the moment, Andy. What do you think it is as well that's making them such a successful partnership in the middle? I think even before Naylor started scoring, which he has done more recently, obviously, even before that, maybe two or three games before that, it started being noticeable that he was sort of taking the game by the scruff of the neck a bit more uh, in centre midfield, which, for whatever reason, isn't something it looked like he was able to do playing alongside either Morris or Close. Um, and I think he's, you can tell that the two centre midfield players have got confidence in each other. So that if one of them takes a risk, the other one can sort of drop back in and cover. And you just you can just tell they're well drilled. When one of the centre-backs goes forward, you see Naylor drop back and cover in the centre-back position. I, mean, I know it's fairly basic, but they just look well drilled. They look like they trust each other and they look like they know what the other centre midfielder is going to be doing or where they're going to be without having to take that quarter of a second, half a second to look up and confirm it. 
And in professional football, that half a second is quite a long time. Yeah, it looks like Naylor's just, he's got that ability to take a little bit of control of the game in centre midfield, either slow the game down or speed it up, depending on what's necessary in the situation. Obviously, Cannon, we know, is dangerous going forward, running at defences. We've been saying that for a long time now. Um, and he's, again, always going to contribute going forward. But now Naylor started scoring goals as well. It's I, I completely agree. You can't see either of them losing the place other than through injury in the foreseeable future because we've got you know, the spine of the team. If I had a pound for every time I said the word spine on this podcast about Pompey, I'd have you know more money than I do have. But we do have that spine of the team in centre midfield now where there's sort of that, without having to say anything or or look up, they just know where the other one is going to be and what they're going to be doing. Now, this one's a little bit more clean cut, right, on whether it was an own goal or not, right, than the other one. Unfortunately for John Marquis, he can't claim it was his goal, but it pretty much was in spirit because if the defender hadn't have bundled it into his own net in the new whole style, John Marcus was right there, Freddie, to pick up that, pick it up and, and bash it in. In fact, it could have been a penalty, couldn't it, if the ball didn't go into the net? Oh, absolutely. McGuinness had um, Marcus's shirt off his back. <clears throat> so if it, if, it, if it didn't create, if his head had, it didn't put it over the line, it would have been a penalty all day long. And it was, whole fans would, hate giving away opportunities like that considering Portsmouth didn't look as if they had really a cut chance during that game but yeah pe- um, penalty all day long if it if it didn't go in and Portsmouth were 2-0 up on 0.07 xg which everybody's going to be very happy with a lot of zeros Fred <laughs> <laughs> yeah well doesn't matter if you win I suppose people will say right <laughs> that's going to be a quiz question in the future like assuming we go up let's say we go up by one or two points, you know, touch wood. There's going to be a quiz question like, ah, oh, name the, the the game that season where Pompey scored twice without having a shot on target or Pompey scored twice with less than point what, point zero, point uh, zero seven xg or whatever it was Freddie just said. There were just a lot of zeros. Right, yeah, I, th- I think I would need to make the quiz for that question to be on, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I don't, it's not, it's not the classic pub quiz fun no, no. evening what, in no. is it what, what we what we do though is we'd be here you know university challenge style and you, you'd be like um what, what game was it nominate freddie webb <laughs> oh imagine if there was an xg round well oh, god <laughs> <laughs> mastermind over there XG, xg in football all right moving on right with life we've got david norris on the podcast and it's great to have David Norris back on the podcast because he's one of those people you can just speak to and he's got loads to say about what's going on. We caught up, had a good chat, spoke about his Boxing Day experiences with football and tested him on his knowledge. But people, here's our interview and chat with friend of the podcast, David Norris. Right, and welcoming back to the podcast, David Norris, mate. This is your third time on the podcast, actually. You are officially the podcast super guest. How are you, mate? I'm very well, mate. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me back. Always been a pleasure before. So any any chance I get to come back on, you know, I'm more than more than willing. No, thanks a lot, mate. It's much appreciated. And I think that we want to we want to end 2020 with a bit of a, a bit of festivity, a bit of a bang. And let's be honest, it's been a bit of a naff year. But Pompey are top of the league to finish for Christmas, so we're holding on to that. But before we get into that stuff, let's just start again. We looked at how Lancaster City have been affected a lot by the pandemic. How has yeah. the club been influenced, sort of like financially, from a player point of view? Yeah, I mean, we um, 
It's been stop start. We, we we got underway and it was fine. Everything was okay. It was hard work with going to grounds and, and and everyone trying to stick by the rules at this level when they don't have like the facilities and stuff, the changing facilities and even stuff like that. But the main issue we've got now is, uh, which is which is kind of understandable, is the the clubs need the fans in uh, for the revenue to pay the players. So the clubs are saying, look, if we can't get the fans in, we can't pay the players. So it's not as simple as, look, let's just get playing, let's play the games. It, it, it's not, it's not um, you know, the clubs can't survive survive without it. So they, they initially agreed to do it at 15%, um, but not, it wasn't going to work for some clubs and, and it was for some others. So they, they couldn't come to an agreement. So we were due to start back on Tuesday, actually, and play again this weekend. and then. But they, they give the clubs the option uh, whether they wanted to and um, you know quite a lot said look we're, we're going to leave it and so I think we just wait to what ha- goes into the new year now and see what happens I think as it was we we had 36 games to play in 20 weeks which at our level one more stoppage uh, and we would have been in all sorts of trouble anyway I think if the only real chance I think it's got now is that which they mentioned before is splitting the league into a um, an east and west uh, 20 game season the two top teams are promoted and then there's a playoff system with, with, the, with the others I think that's the only way it finishes, otherwise I can't see it finishing. No, I think it's one of those things that everything's going to have to become more localised, isn't it? So I think probably it's quite a good shout, potentially splitting the league up. And, you know, the fans obviously want to see see the team play and stuff. And we haven't got that mega money in, in the lower leagues that, you know, Sky and the TV contracts, etc. do provide for for those leagues. So, yeah, no, it's something that'd be good to see if you guys can get back to it. Yeah, and- yeah especially seeing as I'm 39 as well, I'm maybe going to be my last year. I, I, want, <laughs> I want, I want one more. So it'd be nice if we can get it, get it going. And if we split the leagues, we probably got a better chance than the, the Northeast teams are strong. So I don't mind. They let them fight out over there and we, we'll have more of a chance of doing something this way ourselves anyway. I like that. Dominate it. Dominate yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You're obviously balancing your football with uh, the personal training side of things that you do as well. How has that gone during lockdown? Like you've obviously had to move a bit online, I'm guessing, during the lockdowns. Yeah, I mean, I did initially. Um, it was obviously it was a lot more. I feel like there was a lot more panic around the first time, um, and, and people wanted to stick to the rules and, and, and do it properly. Uh, I feel like there's a little bit more frustration this time round. But the first time, yeah, I stopped it. I mean. I was not. I was 100 mile an hour. So at the first few weeks, it was kind of nice. I, t- I could take a little step back, focus on a bit more of my programming and education. I did a little bit online. I, I didn't really enjoy it. It's it's not the same. I like the in person, so I, I didn't enjoy it as much. I did a little bit, and then the we- luckily the first lockdown, the weather was great. So as soon as we was allowed, I got outside with people, and then back in the gym, and then it's been really busy. I think I think you just realise, I guess, just how much you know. Um, the, the mental side of, you know, being able to work out or go to a gym uh, does have a, an effect on a lot of people and, and it keeps them, you know, sane and, and, and ticking over and really noticed that this time around, especially with the two gyms as well, you know, just how eager people have been to, to keep ticking over um, and doing stuff just, just for their mental health as much as their physical. The things that um, I do as part of my day job is, yeah, we've done some research into the mental health and the physical activity and, and well-being during covid and not surprisingly, we found like really strong statistics that show that the more physical activity people are doing or the less drop out, better their coping mechanisms have basically been for this isolation and stuff. Um, have you found that there has been like more of a demand than you might normally expect at this time of year? Or has it been fairly stable compared to what you'd normally expect? No, there's definitely been more of a, a demand. Yeah. Um, obviously, with people not getting in the gym, you, you your personal training, it, there's a steady demand and it will normally drop off in December 
uh, November time and then go crazy again January. But even the normal gym goers, I think, are happy to go to personal training just if it means they can do something. Um, so I've definitely noticed an, an increase in, in people wanting to, uh, to carry on working out. So, so, so with your personal training then, you said, you said it's going very well. But if you had the chance, do you think you could you would be able to get Carno back up to first team f- football? <laughs> if you were able to have if you were able to have Zoom fitness sessions with him, well, I can't I can't de-age him. It's not it's, it's not even his body. He was just I mean he was the stiffest man ever I've ever seen. Um, even when I was there, and and he'd uh, been going you know a long time even before that, and still looking. They were saying even before I got there just how. You know, he, he was getting the lifts up to the canteens and things like that. But, but ability-wise, still, even he didn't really train much and he did bit bit parts in the games. But some of the stuff he could still do was just like for me, like just watching it mesmerising. It was it was unbelievable. He's for, he's forty four now, apparently. That's his age, if you could believe that. Yeah, <laughs> Your yeah face, that's the least <laughs> least convinced facial expression I've ever seen on Zoom. Right there, he must have been at least forty four when I was there. Um, on a football side of things, obviously Christmas for most people is when we get a bit of time off or a week or two off work. For players, it's when things get even even more mental than normal. Boxing Day, potentially a game between Boxing Day and New Year's and a New Year's Day game. So I guess, it, how, how do you actually really enjoy the Christmas season as a player, if you do at all? Um, and do you actually get any time to put your feet up and relax or do you just have to wait until the, the season break for that? Yeah, pretty much. I mean... I think most players overall do it do enjoy it um, the, the games because because you, you play a lot of games. I think most players prefer to play the games than, than training, uh, and it's a busy period. It's normally really busy with fans. Uh, it can be it can be tough because sometimes you just think, you know what, I want to have a few beers here, just eat what I want to eat, chill for a few days. Everyone else is off, like I want to get involved in that. But I, I think your mentality is, you know, it comes part and parcel with with what you do. Uh, and I, like I said, I've always enjoyed the Boxing Day games. They've always normally been, you know, they're, they're normally sellouts at a lot of places and, and and it's a good time of year. But I think you just expect it. I think I've trained most Christmas days um, and I've travelled on a few of them as well and, and been to hotels and you, you, it's just part and parcel of, of, of the way it goes. Normally after the period, you might, especially if you've got a good few results, you'll get two or three days off uh and you can probably just chill then when everyone else doesn't want to really <laughs> do anything but that's that's about as good as it gets um but like i say i i mean i i'll still i still even when i played i still had a couple of beers on christmas day um i'd, I'd still eat my dinner i'd still have some treats like i've got a sweet tooth so uh i i, I always thought i always relaxed a little bit anyway you got to relax a little bit haven't you otherwise i think you just sort of resent it otherwise maybe so if you throw in a little bit it sort of helps yeah, yeah, I think so. And I think I think as long as you're sensible, I mean, you don't have to go and, you know, sink a load of beers and be half cut, but you, you can have a few drinks um, and enjoy what everyone else is doing, especially then if you've got kids as well, you can, you know, you, you can relax a little bit more. But yeah, I think you've got to switch off a little bit and try and not be, you know, because I think you'll ruin it for everyone else. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I, I switched off a little bit, um, but the games, were, you know, were always important. And I did tend to have, I don't know, some of my better games on, on Boxing Day uh, at some clubs. I don't know if that was the panic of knowing that I'd had a couple of drinks the day before uh, and a selection box, <laughs> thinking I'm going to get found out if I don't play well here and it, got, it spurred me on a bit more. But but yeah, I was able to switch off a little bit and relax. 
were there any players, David? It's always people always mention this. It's usually people, commentators, they're sort of filling for time on what whilst, you know, looking over a football game. They always go, oh, you know, he's one yellow card away. Maybe he gets booked, so he gets that boxing day game off um over Christmas. Is that actually a thing with some players, or is that just a fallacy, like a myth almost? I I reckon it's a hundred percent not a possibility. Yeah. yeah. There'll be definitely some lads will definitely be uh well, if I'm going to get suspended, I might as well make it a tactical one um, and, uh, and, 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 and enjoy myself a little bit more. I think that happens. Yeah, I won't be surprised. Uh, I remember once I, the, the FA Cup third round normally comes quite soon after. So I remember around the Christmas time I was on, I hope I was on four, but it might have been nine. Uh, and I was going to get a, a suspension, but it would make, we got an easy draw in the cup. So they wanted me to get, my suspension out uh, the game before, get a yellow, miss that cup game to then be available again for the league game after. Um, and it was, I can get booked easily. I get picked up many yellow cards. I couldn't get booked. I was running around, kicking people, late tackles, everything. I, di- I didn't want to go too far and get a straight red, but it was, we were playing Birmingham. And I remember uh, Nicholas Benton was playing and I just, I kicked him and I kicked him and I kicked him and I couldn't get yellowed. And I just remember it was like 92nd minute and it was sort of, said before about picking up the car just to make sure like you, you're available for the next league game we'll, we'll check we'll rest you for the cup game uh, anyway uh, and he was just going down the line and I pretty much just rugby tackled him grabbed his shirt threw him down onto the floor <laughs> and then the referee booked me and I was really I was like thank you <laughs> out. you can get back to playing normally now <laughs> yeah. amazingly <laughs> and then after two minutes where I didn't even want to go anywhere near the ball and then get a red so I was just running around the pitch keep me away Love it, love it. Oh, I think with the um, staying focused during the Christmas period, you have to have a good dressing room. I heard one story with you and Luke Varney and something to do with a crashing golf cart. Is that true? Because yeah. I think I heard that on another podcast. Yeah, yeah. We was we'd gone away on a um, end of season two, I think it was. Yeah, so just three or four days of golf. Uh, so we had to fit the one golf in just to you know make it realistic back home take a couple of pictures send them back and that was it but he's a clown fans like I roomed with him there I got on really well with him I'm still good friends now but he's just like a, a, a hyperactive kid and uh, we were just going down in the buggy and you go down into a tunnel and then you turn and you come back out the other way um, and he was like see how fast you can go like going up to it then slow right down when you get to the tunnel uh, and he was like and he was he was goading me calling me all these sorts of things and I was like yeah it's not a big deal you're not big to do it right I'll go and then I'll do it right so I slammed down flying around the bend coming up towards the tunnel then then I went to hit the brake and he kicked my leg off to the side kept it on the accelerator and spun the wheel and we just spun spun and then straight into a wall and I was like wow what have you done here the, the tire was bent so it, it it couldn't go properly it was going and then chugging off to the side chugging off to the side chugging off to the side uh, we've got round to the um, to the main part, the main area uh, where the guys were. <laughs> he just goes up and he just goes, "There's something wrong with this. Don't know what's the matter with the buggy, but it's, it's, it's playing up for us." The guys come over straight away. Was like, "You've you've obviously crashed it. You've done something here." But I was like, "Nah. Why, what would have happened? We, we might have hit a rock." Uh, the guy wasn't having it, um, and in the end, we had to pay. Luckily, it wasn't as bad as I thought. I thought we were buying a new buggy. I was panicking like mad. Uh, he still didn't care, Barnes. He was laughing his head off. Um, but we just got a small 
replacement for the wheel or something and we, we got away luckily but but that was him all over I mean I roomed with him a season there and I'm I've got probably at that time a two-year-old possibly three two three-year-old and a newborn I had, my, I had my, one of my boys while I was at um, Pompey so I'm going to the away trips the Friday nights away yes get me in a bed good sleep like nice and relaxed no kids screaming nothing enjoy it, it was worse the hyperactive kid was 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 just worse. He just he couldn't sit still. Right, I want to watch a DVD. Right, yeah, I'll watch one. We'll watch one. We'll, we'll hook up to the TV in the room. Right, cool. Five minutes into it, he's up in and out of the bathroom. He's up and out. He's looking out the window. Next to the door's opening and closing. I can hear him running up and down the corridor. Uh, he's just carnage. And he, he, was run, he was running up and down. If you In the hotels, if you don't know, you can open, unscrew the eye hole from the outside. So he was unscrewing it poking it through the other way, getting a bottle of water, knocking on the door. So as the lads, as the lads come to the door, all the players will always check who's at the, who's at the door before they'll open it, put their eye there, he's got the water, squirted straight through, bolt off running down the corridor, causing all sorts of carnage, bringing all sorts of trouble to my room with all the rest of the players. But, but that was him. But we did have a really good changing room. Like for, We had a really good mix of experience, you know, players who'd been there and done that, but then you know, good lads who wanted, who wanted to win. Uh, which was good because of, you know, uh, for me, that would have been a potentially a little bit of a worry as are these lads still going to be as hungry as, you know, at, at this level now and at, at the situation that we're in as they were when they were like playing higher up. But, you know, for, to be fair, for the majority of them, it was like, it was good. The person who was sort of in charge, I guess, of keeping that dressing room rile up then was Steve Cotter when you first arrived at Pompey. Um, he's recently taken over at Shrewsbury in League One and has had a pretty strong start I think it's 10 points out of 12 against Charlton Hull Lincoln and Donny so yeah they sort of hit the ground running there what do you think would have changed in that dressing room in terms of uh, their in terms of sort of the vibe of the dressing room potentially what they've been doing in training with him arriving the um, arriving at the club from your experience of working with him yeah he'll he'll get he'll bring the group together um, and he'll get the players wanting to play for him like his my management for me was good um, you, you know, you wanted to play for him. You wanted to to get results for him. Um, he, he he sort of he wanted to be your friend, but obviously with, with the manager player relationship. So I think he'll have just gone in there, um, tried to bring them all together as a group, uh, tried to show them that he was there for them. He'd be there to support them. You know, not not a management players divide. Uh, got them on side, and then like I say, if you get if you can get. The players buying into and wanting to play for you, I think it's it, it, it's it's massive. I don't understand sometimes when you see some managers the way they deal with or they sell players out in the in the public or they they, they don't get the players on side. I think you know it's a, it's a huge mistake. I think you get the players running through brick walls for you. You're halfway there. Have you tuned into any of those documentaries with all that spare time you have between football, personal training, and being <laughs> a parent? It's sort of the Sunderland Till I Die or the Spurs one or the Leeds one. Have you tuned into any of those and looked at how different managers interact with their players there and then sort of compared it to your own experiences? Or Yeah, no, I've just seen little bits, to be honest. I've seen little bits of the um, the Man City one. Uh, I haven't seen any of those. I, I, I would want to watch them, though, because that, that, that sort of stuff would really interest me, especially at higher level clubs, exactly how they 
how their changing rooms are, how their management systems are, and how they work things. So I'd definitely be interested. Sunderland one is definitely worth it. Yeah, it's definitely it's a tire fire. The Sunderland till I die one is great. You see them yeah, making this sort of decision whether to get Will Grigg or not, and um, you know, how the chairman just decided right at the last minute to chuck another two million and all that. They they were literally saying, Right, yeah, we're not going a penny over two million, not a penny over two million, and then they cut to the next scene, it's like Oh, we got him for four million, including Adam. <laughs> Literally twenty minutes later, just through pure panic, it's golden. Yeah. It's good though because for the for the fan, it, they don't see behind the scenes. They th- they probably just think that the players train, don't know what they do, turn up Saturday, they see the games. So I think any of these sort of things, podcasts, uh, the behind the scenes stuff, um, all of them, it's great for the for the fan to just to see just exactly what does go on, you know, behind the scenes. We we spoke to Mark Hallin. It must have been at the start of first lockdown, Hugh, and we genuinely had to check with him just to get reassured that that isn't what deadline day is like at Pompey. Yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I was a Sunderland fan and I was watching that, I'd have found it terrifying. Yeah, yeah. But you can imagine, can't you? There, there, there must be panic. There must be panic. We, we have to get someone in. We have to do this right. Do whatever mm-hmm. you need to do. It, that's what that deadline day does and bring. Um, I suppose it's about having that confidence, isn't it? Not letting that pressure get to you. So you've got a plan as a CEO or whatever, as a management team, and you're, you have some confidence in executing it. I think yeah. when people leave it to the last moment and dive then, then that's probably when you, your head, go, you know, heart gets you really, and you sort of make, I don't know, questionable decisions, you know? You just sort of throw that plan out the window and take yeah, the, yeah. the pressure. I think um, so. I was just going to ask really about um, about Steve Cottrell just quickly before we go off that topic because Shrewsbury fans told me that they're devolved of any sort of um, identity as a team. You know, the manager said that he would try and get them to go forward more. It didn't happen. You know, they looked really woeful. What kind of sort of um, style, you know, what what will Steve Cottrell bring to that team? Because all, all I've heard about is that he'll, he'll be defensively responsible. But is there anything else to his game, mate, playing under him? Yeah, I think, well, for us... He- he wanted the defensive side sorting. He wanted us to have a shape, to all know our jobs, to know what we were doing defensively. Um, I didn't necessarily think that that meant that we were a defensive team. I think he'd just give you give us more trust in going forward. It would be once you're up there, it would be, well, you know, you, I trust you guys to, to do your thing, make right decisions. Um, you know, there would be a little bit of pattern, but I feel like defensively, he wanted us to, to all know our jobs. Um, and going forward, we had the, the shackles were off a little bit. Um, and and it was a bit more, you know, you, your good players make the right decisions. I think he's probably being very pragmatic with that team because that team was a defensive first team anyway. So he probably looked at it and go, okay, we'll build on what we're good at and then move on from there. Do you think yeah. he'll do that? Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So uh, even with all the um, the different tier stuff going on, we're, we're going to assume that le- that League One will finish. Yeah. Where do you think your former teams will finish? Because Pretty much a lot of them are in League One. Portsmouth, Ipswich, Plymouth. Yeah, my friend messaged, well, uh, it was a few weeks back now, and he was saying like the amount of games in that league now, the teams that you've you've previously played for is is crazy. So it is a, there is a lot of, um, lot of my old teams now in there. Uh, But it's mad at how quickly it can change. I think it's a bit weird for the players with no fans and the the situation. Um, You're getting some freak results, but I mean, Portsmouth, look where they were like, what not not even that long ago to where they are now. Um, you know, it can, it can change so quickly. So, I expect most of the, the, the I expect um, like Portsmouth to be up there, Ipswich you'd expect to be up there, Plymouth you'd put in and around the playoffs. Um, it's a strong league though. I mean, you've got some big teams, Sunderland still in there, uh, Hull, um, Charlton, big team. So 
I'd expect them all to be in and around the playoffs. I think if if any of them won it, I'd probably be a tiny bit surprised, but but you never know. Um, but I'd fully expect, especially Portsmouth, um, Ipswich, um, probably Plymouth to be in and around there. It's one of those leagues at the moment, though, isn't it? Who really could be an out, you know an outsider can come up. We saw Wickham go up last year as well, for instance. Yeah, sort of out of out of the blue. And uh, just out of interest, my tip is going to be. Um, I've actually put a cheeky little bet here on Blackport, 50-1 to 1 to get promoted each way. Um, I think they've got a good chance, actually, of sneaking in through the playoffs. Yeah, each way is Yeah, so at 50-1, to 1, I thought that was pretty pretty decent. People yeah. out there, it's probably about 15 now, but there you go. Yeah. I told everyone too late. Yeah. Yeah. This is the other podcast of the Blackpool lads. Um, yeah. All right, let's just quickly get on to something. I prepared something that's pretty lighthearted, mate. I thought we'd do a little cheeky quiz, um, and it's called Who Are You? Festive Edition because I couldn't really think what else to call it. So it's a couple of questions, mate, and you'll be familiar because it's all topics about games around, well, the topic is Boxing Day game, 2011-2012. So my first question is to you, David, mate, and it is, what game was it that Pompey played in the 2011-12 Boxing Day game? <laughs> Do you remember? I'll give you clues. No more away. Away. No. No? Okay, cool. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you a clue. They're a London club. In the championship. They're not very well liked. West Ham? No, but you're close. They'll, their fans will love that. Who <laughs> <laughs> is it? Millwall. So it was a forgetful game because we lost 1-0. So whilst I was looking for a Boxing Day fixture to focus on, I thought that was a pretty naff one to focus on. So there was a game before that, though, mate, at Fratton Park. It was on the 18th of December. Uh, Pompey played at home. Uh, Do you remember what game that was? It was a bit... Think of it as a significant fixture. Yeah, Southampton. Yes, mate. Ding. There you go. We'll go go one for that. I'll give you that one. Um, And here's one you better get. Who scored for Pompey in that game? Joe Ward. Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. Two one. Two one. What that? Um, who put? Um, okay. So for the goal, right? We all know it was a header, right? Okay. Who took the set piece and who knocked it back? Liam Lawrence took the corner. Oh, I want to say I don't know who knocked it back. It was it defender Ricardo Russia. No. I think, I think you took the corner. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I wrote it down. Who got the he- who got the knock back, Freddie? George Ford. Yeah, there we go. Oh X Derby County player. Yeah. Oh, there we go, mate. You didn't give yourself enough credit, Norris. That was actually that was actually your corner that got that got that. In corners. Huh? Who put me on corners? There you go. <laughs> You're not usually uh, corners and free kicks. <laughs> Um, I don't know. They just I thought might put you on the edge of the box, mate. But you had a shot on goal in that game. Mate. I was watching the I watched the highlights about being a professional podcaster that I am. I thought I'd, I'd double check right. Um, you had a shot actually where Joel Wardy set you up on the edge of the box there, and you teed it back and you and you hit it, and it's very similar distance to the um to the goal against Southampton actually that came later on um in April. It looked like, almost like a warm up strike. Do you record? Do you recall that? No, no, it, no. Yeah, you right. blasted it from outside the box, basically in the first half, right towards the Milton end, and it just went wide, wide of the goal. And you sort of had the same vigorous look on when you struck that one as the other one. But yeah, that one sort yeah. of that sort of rolled right at the post, rather than yeah, yeah. 
All right, here's the bonus one, right? You've done pretty well. You've got three, two from my counting. Don't call me out, people, on that either. Um, <laughs> but um, one player was booked for Pompey in that game. Can you remember who it was? I think he's on loan, so it's not going to be an easy one. On loan? I ain't going to get it. No? Do you want a first name? Yeah, go on. His name's Joe. Mattock. Yes, mate. Yeah, wow. yeah, nice one. Nice one. It's only one player got booked. Yeah, that's what it says on the I don't line. know how one player just got booked at that game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, one player apparently. Yeah, well, for us anyway. Did a clip in that game where I do a tackle in that game, which should have easily been a red, it was on Lalana and it was on our clips. I remember seeing it back and I go in two footed and, and take him out and looking back, it's a red card. Luckily, it weren't even a free kick, I don't think. <laughs> we'll try and get video footage of that. That would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we can use it to promote the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Dave's been great having you on the podcast. I really yeah, appreciate it. Short yeah. notice as well, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, fun. yeah, like the Batman of the podcast. Appreciate it, mate. <laughs> have a great, have a great New Year. Um, nice. Merry Christmas to you and all your family. And uh, yeah, we'll speak soon. Yeah, nice one, guys. Thank you very right, much. Thanks yeah, a lot. Everyone. Thanks, Bye. Take care. Podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. Thank you once again for coming on the podcast, David May. It's always a pleasure to have you on. And lads, Freddie, it's the first time you spoke to him, so uh, what are your takeaways? <clears throat> yeah, he was a lovely guy, wasn't he? Uh, a lot, like every single ex-football, a lot of funny stories. But he seems very humble and genuine with the career he's had and with the, his transition into his personal training as well. Uh, an all-round top guy. You know, I thought it was actually pretty funny that he uh, didn't know he took the corner for the Joel Ward goal. Yeah, he was really surprised, wasn't he? He was surprised. <laughs> How am I on set pieces? Yeah, I now want to watch the video and make sure, but I'm, I'm 99% sure I watched it before we, <laughs> before we did the podcast. It's going to be so awkward if you got that wrong, but <laughs> <laughs> no, Nothing unlike usual. Oh. Um, we'll get into a little bit of a more serious topic now, lads, because we've had five more players who have been confirmed to tested positive for COVID-19 in the squad, which has led to two games being postponed. The Boxing Day game against Swindon, where fans weren't already going to be attending, now the game will be postponed. And the game following that against Bristol Rovers again is going to be postponed. Obviously, everyone here at the podcast, at Pompey News Now and everything, all of us send our thoughts out to a, the quick recovery of everybody involved in that um, and hope emotionally as well everyone's okay um, and coping with it, especially even with friends, etc., who are involved in it. So, you know, everyone here puts out our thoughts and everyone at home, stay safe, wash hands, etc. Um, okay, uh, obviously the game's been postponed. So from a football basis, looking on it, boys, and I suppose... This is not the most important thing, but just we are a football podcast. So do you think that the postponement of the game in such a a time where Pompey are looking so, you know, got the momentum behind them, Andy, is this, is this a time where we want to have games postponed? I mean, as you say, it's not the most important thing, but from a purely footballing perspective, you say that Pompey have got momentum on their side at the moment um, and you'd fancy us to to have got positive results in the next week against Bristol Rovers and Swindon. I think they're both extremely winnable games looking at um, the, the, the form of those two teams over this season so far. Um, so, yeah, it's definitely a potential stumbling block in terms of our momentum, but it's, you know, one of those uncontrollables. All you can do in sport and in life is control the controllables. 
and this isn't uncontrollable. So you just have to deal with it as best you can. And we've got to try and hit the ground running potentially. I think it's on the second, is it? We've got Accrington Stanley, I think. Um, try and hit the ground running in that game, assuming that goes ahead. But um, it's it's complete guesswork at the moment, isn't it? Playing it by ear um, in terms of in terms of where we go next. It's very hard to preview the next couple of games. Yeah, yeah, massively. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be very hard for <clears throat> it might be very hard for the players to get back to 100 percent from where they were on a footballing standpoint. But I am glad that decision has been made to postpone those two games. The only other worry that I think I did mention is. Of the players that have um, got COVID nineteen, some of them, if they are really unlucky, might have um, post viral infection or long COVID. I don't know the proper name for it. So those effects may continue further into the season rather than just an infection for a couple of weeks. So that is another worry. Yeah, that's just that's just essentially potluck, and it looks like that's due that that depends on um, sort of the length and proximity to the infection that. An individual has um so essentially for them it'll be potluck uh which is not good um yeah you don't like things down to be out of your control do you um but yeah um, long covid is reasonably rare in the young population i say that as part of the young population who has long covid with my taste and smell disappearing for i don't even know how long nine months um but it is statistically unlikely that they'd have that, Freddie, you would hope. Yeah, so that's obviously, that's not great. But um, yeah, wish everyone everyone our best and hope everyone recovers well. Um, talking about everyone getting together, those a community. Thank you to everybody who contributed to the Pompey Food Bank cause um, that we raised. And you guys came back in about, I, don't know, I think it was nine days even, less than that. You raised £605 um, for the Pompey Food Bank, and that's much appreciated. You just see the amount of people that shared it. Some people, ex-players shared it. So um, some current players, um, and Hachi Minoga shared it as well. So thanks everyone getting out there and throwing even a fiver, a few quid even to it can really help. So in the in these big times of struggle, you know, we're one family Pompey fans and it's great to see us all coming together. But have a great Christmas, everybody. Have a Merry Christmas. Everybody enjoy this festive break. Have fun. Be res- be responsible and all that malarkey. But definitely get some beers down you. I'm actually going to go and do that now. I'm not working anymore. So it means I can have a drink on a Wednesday evening without any repercussions. So loving the small things in life. Andy, mate, it's been great having you on the podcast. Thanks, you. Always a pleasure, buddy. Hope you have a fantastic Christmas. Yeah, no, mate. Of course I will. Um, and Freddie, mate, up north, how is it up there? Is it grim? No, I'm joking. Thanks for having me on the podcast. <laughs> uh, yeah, up north, it's still going all right. Um, have a lovely Christmas, all, all, all the listeners. As it may, make the best of it, and uh, I hope you all take care and keep yourself safe. Yeah, and this will be the last podcast of the year, um, and we'll be back in January with our usual January transfer window preview, where we go through the players and we think who we should get rid of. That's right. No, I'm joking. Who, who needs to go? Who needs to come in? That's how we roll. Um, and, and we've we've got a pretty good record for um, for getting those players, haven't we, Freddie? I think pretty sure we got four from four last year. I think so, yeah, from memory. Yeah. I'm going to bet £5 that at some point, um, Freddie says the word Manny Monty. Wow, you pronounce it. I thought you were going to say Scott Fraser. That <laughs> would also well, be on the list. Uh, Callum Camps is on the list in January, if you're interested. We didn't go out and buy when we said it could have been half a 200 grand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen mm. up. Anyway, guys, thanks for listening. Thanks, everyone, for listening to us all year. And until next time, play up Pompey.
You have been listening to the PO Forecast for Pompey News Now. Available on SoundCloud, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Follow PO Forecast and Pompey News Now on Twitter for more information. And there is the full-time whistle.